Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content, you can subscribe to this podcast. And most of the time, you can just do it from your phone, from iTunes. Click subscribe and write a review. This really helps us continue this path and this journey. And we love doing it so much. And again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Maybe share it with a friend if you're so inclined and let us know what you thought. Thanks for listening. Larea Gaston is the incredible creator of Lunch on Me. Lunch on Me is a fun, interactive nonprofit whose mission is to create a strong community and create strong bonds between the homeless and the housed community, all while providing fresh, organic foods for everyone in need. Love without a reason is the heart of everything that they do. This girl is so incredible and she's got the the most amazing group of people working for her. I got to meet her at an event that Tim Story did at Wanderlust a few weeks back and she just blew me away. She was making a call to action to ask people to either donate their time or donate to this foundation and it was just incredible the amount of love and dedication and passion that this girl has for this community and to be able to bridge the gap between how we feel about homelessness in this country. She is one of the most inspirational people that I've met. She's young and she's beautiful and I she is just so full of wisdom and knowledge and I'm so so excited to share not only a little bit about her story, but also to share this incredible foundation that I am so lucky to be a part of now. Yeah, he's great. And the study is amazing. I love going. I think it's every time I'm there, once I leave, I just feel like I'm going to take on five more tasks. And I'm going to, yeah. you know, complete them and then I'm not going to complain. Yeah, it definitely... It definitely is inspiring, isn't it, to be... And then, like, we get to meet really cool people and, like, be around you know, people doing different things or, or, or not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's cool. It's a cool little space. So I, I love that. So I want you to tell us a little bit more about who, first of all, who you are, because people listening to this, if they're just tuning in, they're like, who, who is this? Who is this person? (laughs) What's she about? What is she talking about? So 
I met Lorea at Wanderlust at the study. Uh, it's a, a, a study group led by Tim Story, and she spoke that night about this incredible endeavor, this like service endeavor that she's created that's incredible. And, and I want you to tell us all about it because it really, ins I mean, not only was, was I in complete awe of you and speaking about it and I saw how passionate you were about it, but I just was like, how, how did I not, I was kind of upset that I didn't know about it. I'm like, how do I not know who this girl <laughs> is first of all? And for, and, but for the people that haven't seen you or a picture of you, you're stunning. So, uh, you walked on stage and I'm like, who is this person? Uh, and how come I don't know her? So please tell us, uh, all about what you're doing out in the world and how you got started. Okay. Well, my name's Lorea Gaston and I'm a curator and art director. I design clothing. I direct short films, fashion films. And um, my favorite thing in the world to do is to give back to the community and to, you know, designate my art to a place of purpose. And for me, it's Lunch on Me. Lunch on Me is a nonprofit that I created that is about social change. Um, we feed people. It's all about, of course, ending starvation because starvation in America is silly. And I've always believed that. And I think that there's this interesting displacement that happens within the homeless community Mm -hmm. that's segregated from the house community. That's how I like to like see the separation where, you know, a lot of homeless people are deemed invisible to society. And I think it's very important that we're all reminded that everyone is a person and we all want the same things to be loved and accepted. And I think that creating Lunch on Me has created a sacred space for these two worlds to come together and to celebrate and get to know each other over food and music and celebration. Um, and doing what I'm doing, I, I when I first started my nonprofit, I wanted it to be way more than a pantry, way more than a food bank. Um, I eat organic, so I made sure that all the food was organic. That was important to me too, to be able to get fresh foods to the homeless, to people in need that couldn't necessarily afford them because mm -hmm. I believe fresh foods are a right and not a privilege. Um, so that was something that was important to me. And then also finding stability and redirecting waste instead of like consuming and creating more food, but redirecting things that would be wasted that are perfectly good and edible that could end starvation. And that was my mission to start with America because this is my home. This is where I'm from in <laughs> starvation here, you know, <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> well, I'm from here. So it's like, you know, it's like, I can't save the world if I don't love my neighbor. Like that's kind of weird. Yeah. So, so that was kind of my idea and concept is like, you know, to, to do these things because I do believe they're, possible and it just starts with community it starts with numbers it starts with everyone dismantling how they see things I always tell people it's not a lot of people want to lead the homeless to this new life but it's really dismantling um what society how they, they see the homeless which to see them anything outside of human and you know our peer is just like beyond me and I thought it was really important the only way you could show someone that someone is so much similar to them is to create a space where they both can be that, you know, maybe when they go to a grocery store, they might not, not acknowledge each other, but over great food, music, dancing, it would be a space of conversation and openness. And so that's what I decided to do. I, I um, decided to start putting those type of things in action. I started reaching out to community and just getting to know people. It's, it's, 
I always tell people, you know, maybe you can't start with like 500 people feeding that many people, but maybe you can go to your local grocery store, your gas station where there are homeless people. Yeah. You know, very, there are very specific popular places that homeless people go where it's acknowledging them, asking them if they need anything, because community really is making sure that everyone's good. And I think that we've lost that. And I think that this is the perfect time to take it to another level because we have the internet where, you know, we've become separated, but then we've also become intertwined at the same time. Yeah. So it was the perfect time to say, hey, now we can know our global neighbors. We can know everyone before we even meet them, you know? And that's that's what I decided to do, Lunch On Me, to get people involved and then to allow artists to come in and find ways to use their art to help uplift and spread awareness. And that's been our goal. And then we're, you know, we're an art collective. Um, everyone, all, it's an all women ran nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so that's also like we're in alignment with like women empowerment and just showing that like women can work together and do freaking awesome things. Yeah. And that was us. Like there's this really there's this nurturing thing about lunch for me. And I think it's because there's so many just, you know, powerful women behind it that are, you know, standing up for starvation because it, it isn't fair. I feel guilty, you know, like I can get anything I want in this world. And to think that someone as simple as not being able to get a meal, like that's someone's reality. That's heart shattering. Yeah. And so I wanted to do something about that. I wanted to share. I don't think, you know, to have a lot is for me to be overindulgent in things, but to share. Our slogan is love without reason. There mm. needs to be no deeper reason other than because it needs to happen. Yeah. You know, and something and we spoke the the night we met, we spoke about how, you know, it's, it's also a, a matter of acknowledgement and just acknowledging people. There's still people, you know, so many people just walk by homeless people and don't even acknowledge them. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Dehumanizing people. And it's, and it's sad because when you're dealing with people that have been, you know, basically ignored and not acknowledged, you see it in their spirit, in their energy you know, everything, you know, it's, it's hard to get someone that's a stranger that is homeless, that's dealt with that so much Mm -hmm. that won't even give you eye contact. You know, sometimes it's hard, you know, to get them to be consistent when everyone's been so inconsistent in their life. Yeah. And, and a lot of it comes with that. I I tell people all the time, the first, like the first way to fix it is acknowledgement and healing. You know what I mean? You're healing someone's disappointments. You know, so many things that's happened and we all want to be acknowledged. I don't care what walk of life you're in. We all want to be acknowledged. We all want to be loved. It's natural within humans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to take that away from someone due to circumstance is, is something that we do need to fix is a problem that needs to be fixed. How this is, and it's such an incredible feat that you've taken on. What what inspired you? Like this is, and you're so passionate about it, which I love, Lorea. How how <laughs> what ins, like how did tell me how did it that how did it inspire you? Did you see somebody when you were younger? Did you have like a, a an experience where have you ever been homeless? Like what was it that inspired you to to do this? Oh my god, it was it was multiple things. I think that everything within my life pushed me to this place. Um, the first time I fed someone, um, that was homeless, I was 14 years old. Um, and I had this amazing interaction with this like supernatural spirit that I was just like, Oh my God, I was just taken away by, 
his aura, his vibrate, everything about him. It was just, it was interesting. I was 14. I wasn't even at that time. I was so young. I hadn't even formed my opinion on homelessness. You know, <laughs> I didn't have that much experience. You know, I wasn't there yet. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like someone could mold me at that time. It was one of those situations where I got to create my understanding off of my experience. And my experience was, um, I was running, my uncle had a restaurant and I was um, cooking. I ended up being head cook. And um, they, we were throwing away a lot of food. And one night, randomly, there was a whole bunch of food. And there was a homeless guy that walked by. I was just out of nowhere. I'm, like, looking at all this food. And I'm looking at a man that's asking for food. And I was just, like, it was a no-brainer. It was like, hey, dude, are you hungry? Like, it was that <laughs> simple, you know? It was, one, it was like, you know, it, it was, like, it was like in alignment. It was yeah. a really crazy situation. Like, now it's crazy. Then it wasn't. It was just, like, a regular day. But now, looking back at it, that I was put in a space where I saw like restaurant waste, um, it made me realize like, oh, okay, so um, people need to eat. And that that was the first time. And like just the experience I had with him, like it was the most interesting thing because after I gave him food, I turned around to ask him like, you know, can I get you something else? Like I wanted to get, I was getting him juice. I turned around, he's gone and the food's there and he's nowhere to be found. <gasps> And it was like the most weird, like it was so bizarre because where I was, there was nowhere to hide. It was like open area and his cart was there. The food was there and he was gone. And it was one of those like, and was I talking to myself? Like I was so confused as to what happened. And then, so that happened and it was really weird. It was something I didn't, I wasn't really comfortable talking about because it was such a uh, surreal experience. Yeah. yeah. It was so unearthly that I was just didn't even want to talk about it with people. But then uh, fast forward three years later, one of the last days I was um, uh, packing up food at my uncle's restaurant, um, I saw him on with a cart uh, just riding by, like had his cart going. He just waved at me. But at the time I had been feeding after that moment, I had fed every homeless person that walked by me. Mm. And then the last time I had seen him, I'd only seen him twice. And he just waved at me and kept going. And it was one of those, like, now, older, I know it was a seed that was planted. But then I was just like, this dude never ate for me. And now he's waving at me. Like, this is, you know, I was yeah. I was a teenager. So that happened. And then because of those three years of, like, constantly getting waste in a restaurant, I kept, like, feeding people. I'm just like, we're throwing away completely good food just because, like, we have to for health reasons. But it's not real health reasons because people would rather homeless person eat out of a trash can than give them perfectly good food. Mm, mm-hmm. So, so, and that was kind of my mindset. I'm a teenager at that point, you know, it's like, that's, that was my mindset. Like, that's silly. I wasn't listening. I was kind of rebellious. I was like, whatever, I'm going to give all this food away because it's going to be thrown away. And yeah. then after that, after that, um, as time went on, I just, I, every time I saw someone homeless, I, I just equated them to people. You know, I, it was just like, oh my God, this person's hungry. What can I do for them? Or, you know, you know, I'm not going to tie it in churches anymore. I'm going to go out and use 10% of anything that I make. And I'm going to go buy food for people and make sure that people are fed. And that's how it started. This was like years ago. And then, um, I started, uh, volunteering. I, I went from that to volunteering to my friend saying like, where do you go on the holidays? And like, you just disappear because I was going out and it was a, it was a secret thing. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone until maybe three years ago. Oh wow! That I was that I was doing this for 
years. I've been doing this for 14 years. Wow. Why? Why did you not say anything? Because it wasn't for accolades. It was no reason to talk about the things that I did. Yeah. It was no, it was no reason. I wasn't, I wasn't looking for something for it. I didn't need a pat on the back. I didn't, I wasn't even mindful enough to think that I was doing a good deed. I just thought like, oh, it was just like common sense to me. Yeah. You know, it was like someone's hungry. I, I have enough to share. Yeah. And I've always been that person. So I was like, okay. So there was nothing to talk about. And I just, and for me, I, I enjoyed it so much. It was just kind of like my private thing. And then a couple years ago, when my friends started asking me, I was like, oh, I feed the homeless on different holidays and stuff. And then a couple of friends were like, oh, can I come? And I'm like, sure. And I, so it started with that. I told them like, okay, we cook the food ourselves. For the holidays and stuff, I would cook food. So when I would like make a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, I would make enough to have food left over for everyone else. And then my friends started doing it. And then a couple of times they started to um, text me like, are you going to do it again sometime? Like, I want to do it again. It was fun. Mm-hmm. And then, then I was starting to get messages from friends of like homeless people they met and they were telling me their <laughs> stories. Like I met this dude and we had lunch and and then I just saw this thing. It was like on the outside, I was like, wait a minute. Like it was one of those weird things that I was just doing it, but then I was watching it plant seeds in other people yeah. and they were they were so excited to meet people. Yeah. And it was and it was a whole different type of person. You have people like these are people that, you know, they they can't give anything to you. So they don't even try and take anything from you. And they just can they just enjoy a conversation, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just like bare, like you just got to the core of the soul of a person. And you don't get that a lot because people come with so much yeah and they've, they've been stripped of everything for that reason mm-hmm. so so it was just a different person a different walk of life and I resonated more with people that were in that space yeah and so so it, it started with that and this domino effect where it just kept coming up and then I started working with nonprofits, and then I was 100% against like 90% of the nonprofits I worked with because they were so far removed from human need mm. And that for me, like working with so many nonprofits where I'm like, wait, you guys are, why are you guys like fundraising this amount of money? You're giving people spaghetti and everyone's unhappy. Volunteers aren't even meeting people. They're just putting food on a plate. Like it was just so, it was just, it was disconnected. It was disconnected. Yeah. And it was, it was torture. (laughs) It was torture because it, because there wasn't that connection. It was just like, It, and so, so it kind of happened. I had an experience that kind of uh, pretty much sparked a fire where I was, I didn't like how people were doing things. And it was one of those, like, I always, if I, if I had an opinion about something, I'm the type of person, instead of complaining, I'll just fix it myself. <laughs> you know, like, yep, I'm I gather that. Because I'm not, because I'm not in control of like other situations. Like my opinion isn't like, to me, my opinion, it's just an opinion. If I'm not, if I don't have action behind it, I'm just talking. Right. So it was just like, I'm not going to complain about these other nonprofits. I'm going to create my own and I'm going to set the bar to my standard. Yeah. And that, that was important to me is like, okay, well, what are, what have I learned in 14 years of dealing with thousands of people? What have I learned? And what I had learned the most was these people want to be acknowledged and loved. And the conversation was more important than the food I gave them. Mm, That's so good. Lorraine, I mean, that's what you're really talking about togetherness and human connection really you know Mm -hmm. and I think that that's one of the biggest thing that's missing especially our interact not only just our interaction with other humans but our interactions with people that are disenfranchised or you know people that are have been marginalized by society that don't have you know a, a 
quote unquote place in, in society because of something that's happened or, you know, for whatever reason. And I'm sure there's many reasons why people end up being homeless, right? I'm sure you've gotten to meet so, so many incredible people, right? Yes. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, it's, and I always tell people like homelessness isn't just one mistake or in sometimes not even a mistake. It's systematic. Just things happen in life. You know, and it's like one of those situations where there's no one way to get there. Mm-hmm. And more more of society is closer to homelessness than they are wealth. Wow. And so it's like one of those situations where it's like if you don't have a support system, if you're born in the system and you're in foster care and you never get adopted and you never have like people that are like, hey, I can help you with this. It's so easy. And there is a community on Skid Row. So it's like a lot of times, even when people are on Skid Row, they don't want to leave because that's the first family they've ever met. Right. Right. Yeah. If they've never had an experience of having a home and they've just been in the system their whole lives, they don't know any better. Yeah. And then so when you go to Skid Row, they are they know what it feels like. So they're very embracive and loving. And so it's like a lot of things that that can get you to that space. And I think that one of those situations, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, and even devastation, I can't tell you how many people I've met husbands, wives who have lost their spouse Mm. and just gave up on life. They were like, I, you know, I've met like, just like tragic situations, tragic loss that they emotionally couldn't bounce back from, Mm. you know, and sometimes loss puts other parts of society in place. Tell me how you ended up in Skid Row and, and how lunch on me ended up, you know, having a, creating a home there? Um, well, Skid Row, first of all, like LA, like Skid Row is the craziest thing I've ever seen in America. Like I've been all over the world and I've seen federal country poverty, but to see that in America is just like confusing. It's just <laughs> right. the most confusing thing. You know, it's just like, you know, you just get there and you're just mind. You're like, is this an oxymoron? Like this doesn't make sense. Totally. So, so, so when I'm driving, like I was, I remember the first time, like I was driving, trying to find my way around LA, not knowing anything, went past downtown and I look and I just start seeing tents. And then like, I'm thinking, you know, you see two or three and I saw more tents and I turned on another street and it was, I just saw this whole, it looked like a refugee camp wow. of tents on the yep. street. And my understanding of LA prior to that was the Hollywood sign was Disneyland, was Universal Studios, you know, yep. Malibu. So it's like what I envisioned LA to be and then seeing that it was just such an extreme to see like the the wealthiest of the wealth and just to see people that are like below sea level in poverty because it is poverty down yeah, there. It's it's is. terrible. Yeah. Um I was I couldn't believe it. I was in shock because sometimes you'll see a homeless person, but sometimes you don't get to see where they're living. Yeah. How they're living, you know? You might see some walking, but you don't think I mean, even sitting on a bench or being in grass is a lot more cleaner than some of the things that you see on Skid Row. And that was so shocking to me that people were just driving by thinking it was normal. Yeah. Like it was, I was confused because I just, <laughs> I'd never experienced that, you know? Yeah. So I was like, oh no, we have to do something about this. Because, <laughs> like, you know, it's just like crazy. It's like, I couldn't sleep at night. Like things like that, I can't sleep at night knowing you know, when I'm giving things and someone else is given a different hand in life or whatever the reason, it was just like, oh, this is awful. Like we have to, you know, then it made me look at things like, oh my God, I'm blessed to share. If you have more than you can intake and have, then you're blessed and it isn't just for yourself. And that's yeah. just what I believe. I don't think 
I don't think any good can come from that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a huge thing, too, to be able to uh, look at a situation like this from a place of just having gratitude with what you have and knowing that there are people out there that aren't as fortunate as you are and you can help them. Like, I think that people forget that we can help not... And it doesn't always have to be financial. I mean, you're the living example that it just takes us being present, you know, like just showing up and giving somebody or acknowledging their existence even. Oh my God, that means so much to people. Just, and I always tell people like, what makes it really difficult for me is um, when I see people, because it is, I've noticed more people than not, when a homeless person comes up to them, they kind of like shun them away and treat them as though like it's an inconvenience. Mm. that people, you know, ask them for something. And I, and I mean, I've multiple times I've told people like, so given like situations you've been in, in survival, because everyone reacts to things differently. I mean, there's people that are, that could be violent. I tell people all the time. If someone asks you for a dollar, would you rather them ask you or put a gun to your head? Yeah. You're, you're dealing with it, survival and you're dealing with people in life. And it's like when someone comes to you in that way, it's a cry out for help. But it's dismantling, again, our thought process. Even the thought process, I, you know, I have conversations with people and they're like, well, I don't want to give someone money because they're going to buy drugs. And then it's like people come up with these narratives for people and they don't even know them. Yeah. And, and I explain to people, but can you tell the difference between mental illness and drugs? Because sometimes they look very similar. You know, like there's things like that where people don't realize. Yeah. They'll see someone that's talking themselves, you know, like, and it's like you don't know what a situation is. And I tell people all the time. I'd rather give 10 people whatever they ask of me. And if nine of them, it's in vain, I'm not really worried about the nine. I'm worried about the one person. I don't want to deny the one person that could have needed it. And I just came up with my own narrative and didn't help that person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's such a, that's such a huge thing. I think a lot of it comes, a lot of it also comes from this place of just not not knowing how to react or not knowing what to do because people can get really uncomfortable with seeing somebody out on the street holding a sign or somebody that's asking for for money like people just it's easier for people to just turn their attention away from the, the a human to me I, I never understood that because you know I was always taught to acknowledge everyone you know even if you didn't have anything to give it was like acknowledgement just see them or look them in the eye and just acknowledge you know because yeah. it's it's just it's such an important thing I mean and we've gone down to Skid Row to you know feed uh, homeless people but like during Thanksgiving and that was like the big thing that you talked about was like why is it that we only provide this type of selfless service once a year why can't we do it more right so tell us how so now that you've created this nonprofit and kind of what fueled this process. Tell me what, what the program looks like now. Like how many people are you actually feeding and how often? Okay. Um, we feed six nights a week. Um, we have eight, eight runs a week total and we feed 1500 people a week, organic food. And we throw a party, um, once a month for the social aspect and we feed 500 people. So we're feeding, um, around oh close to seven thousand people a month oh wow that's amazing yeah and it's all organic food and um you know it's easy to get involved because how we do it they're called food drive-bys 
And we named them that because we wanted a way to make it effective where, where a volunteer could come and donate two hours of their time. Yeah. And feed 100 to 200 people within that time. So basically, we go get food. We all meet at the same place, um, downtown L.A., and we hand package the food. We fill up however many cars it takes to um, disperse the food. And volunteers get in different cars. Usually our team leaders will drive. And you hand out the food from the windows. We drive to different tents all throughout Skid Row until we've dispersed, you know, 100, 200 meals a day. Wow. And we feed with um, BuzzFeed and Siren Studios on Mondays and Wednesdays. That's so that's so amazing. So if people people that are listening to this and they want to get involved, how do they get involved? Oh, they can just get on, um, go on to our website, lunchonme.org. They can go on our Instagram, which is lunchonme. Um, you can email us to sign up. You can DM us on Instagram. It's that casual. Like, we're millennials. You can contact <laughs> us. Any, you know, <laughs> it's super totally. easy. You can literally text me and be like, hey, I want to go. And I'm like, let me send you the address so you can click on it and it'll get you there. Yeah. Super easy. You know, and it could be any day. It doesn't have to be anything formal. And if someone... You know, they can, I always tell people, we take different types of donation. It could be food, time, talent, or money, whichever one you want to contribute. Wow. I love that. Tell me what you've learned the most since doing this nonprofit, Lorea. Uh, that a little bit goes a long way. Oh, wow. And I would say, um, and just community. I've learned how to be involved in my community by speaking to people that I see acknowledging everyone. It's changed my life down to, if I get on the elevator, I have to say, hello, Hi, how's your day going? Because that's community. I don't, I don't want to have any more awkward, awkward moments with people where we kind of just shut people out. Yeah. I want to be open and I want to acknowledge just anyone that comes within my space. And I think that's how healing works too. A lot of things change when you actually take the time to get to know someone. Sometimes people are giving up and, you just literally, you know, going to them and caring has changed things. I've had so many people just this week. I had one of the girls that um, we feed every day. She just uh, checked into AA and she's off getting off the streets. That's happened to me multiple times where people had said to me, it's because you didn't judge. You didn't care. You just wanted to help. And I think that's important. Just taking away the judgment or, you know, trying to lead people to where we think that they should go yeah. and just being present, you know? And that was my thing is like, I don't care if you're on drugs. I don't care what you do. You deal with drugs, prostitution, everything you could think of. And none of that matters to me. You're human and everyone deserves love. None of that, you know, validates me not being loving towards you. Mm. How you, you put yourself in a position where you're around a lot of hardship a lot, right? You're seeing all these different things happen. How has this impacted your life and how you view your life? Oh my God. It's, you know what? It's like a <laughs> blessing. And then sometimes it's a curse because I can't partake in, in first, <laughs> no, because I can't partake in first world problems at all. You know, like a flat tire is not going to rain on my parade. You know, so it's like, it's a little hard. A breakup, it's like, congratulations, honey. Now you can really find someone that's meant for you. Like, I just don't have that same um, mentality because when I see people with really hard lives and like going through so much and don't have even 
little of what they need, bare necessities, being so kind and caring and compassionate and considerate, it has changed how I view my life in the sense of my problems aren't real problems, even the hard ones. They're not real problems. And I think that people need to realize on the scale, not our micro universes, but the scale of what people go through as a whole, that it is living in gratitude and it's, it's allowed me. And sometimes I think it's hard because people will take it as, oh, you're not being sensitive. You don't care. And it's like, no, I'm not being self-absorbed in things that really don't matter. And I've learned to really put my energy and everything that I want to be involved in in higher places and being of service. And I feel like with that, it's, it's made my life so full because I just know I'm in alignment with like our like the bigger picture. Yeah. And so it, it's definitely changed that where like little things, people are just like, you're not up. I'm like, no, girl, <laughs> there are people <laughs> having a hard time. This is not a big deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, and that's just where I'm at. <laughs> It's just where I'm at, where I'm just like, you, but, but you have to understand like the extremes I see. Like yeah. I've seen people who are sick from AIDS. I've seen people who have had um, tumors removed, things like that, where they're literally healing on the streets mm. and they're still sweet. And they're like, you know, they, you know, the hospital has let them out early. I've seen people who can't walk anymore because of how much, you know, just not being able to shower regularly and things like that, where, you know, they're wheelchair bound quadriplegic patients because they had diabetes and they can't afford to eat within their diet. They eat whatever's given to them. And now they had to get amputated because of that, you know, and just kind, sweet people where they're just going through where I'm like, that is, that's hard. That is, that's something hard to deal with, you know, not having support, not having family. I'm not about to complain about little things. I'm not going to complain about bumps in the road. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Um, so it's just, I think it's changed me in that way. And it's changed me because it is hard for me to deal with those things with people because I have to remember like people aren't always exposed to these things yeah. and they're not in that space yet. So, and it, so it's difficult when you see people that don't, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like they've gained five pounds. It's just <laughs> like, you'll be fine. You know, <laughs> you'll be fine. It's, <laughs> it's totally so, true. It's just it's changed that. Yeah, no, and that's such a such a beautiful <laughs> yes. way of being, and it's a, such a great perspective. What are some words of wisdom that you live by? Um, well, my favorite uh, woman in the world is Mother Teresa. Since I was like older, old enough to even like I, when I first started reading, it was like Mother Teresa. Everything. Oh, um, I. It's amazing. <laughs> no, literally, like when I was in third, she died when I was in third grade and I was crying so hard. I didn't want to go to school that day. Like it was a problem. It was a problem. Like you have no idea. Um, uh, my favorite quote from her is, um, I found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. Oh, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. That I live by. And then the other quote I live by is anything that is not of love is a cry out for love. Oh, wow. And I feel like those things for me have been like, I just, I live by that and I believe that. And it's, it's made me be able to look at when people are, you know, crying out for love and those type of things, especially being in some of the situations in Skid Row, I've learned to be more mindful and compassionate about it because I know that you know, sometimes, you know, people aren't given that love and they don't know how to deal with it. And 
that they're doing what they can. So that's pretty much, I I mean, everything I feel like every quote that I love is always about (laughs) love. I want to tell you how incredibly inspiring you are with everything that you're doing in the world, Lorea. I can't wait for more people to get involved and to just shine more light on what you're doing because it's truly an incredible feat in what you're doing, feeding homeless people and giving them attention and providing these services and, and giving, I started this podcast as a forum for people to come and get information or get inspired or talk about the things that are currently inspiring them. And radically loved is this idea that we are fully supported, fully loved by either God or source or energy or whatever it is, your higher power, the higher power of your understanding but we are all radically loved. So the question for you is, how do you feel radically loved? And what do you radically love? You know, it's interesting because uh, my grandmother, the one I'm here visiting, is pretty much a planet the seed for like love for me my whole life. And um, being with her and just ask, you know, just be able to, be given the same thing that I give to homeless people, that time and attention. For me, that's just being able to have that with someone. And for me, it's her. Like when I'm with my grandmother, when I'm able to share my ideas and concepts with a woman that was born in the 30s that has no judgment, it just inspired me so much. Um, and, And everything that she does for me, it's just like I've never seen someone so evolved coming from that generation um, so involved in like kind and just, oh my God, just like the amount of love that she gives is like nothing I've ever experienced before outside of her yeah. other than what I'm trying to create within, you know, lunch on me and how I'm living my life. And it's really like that. And then I think that being of service is really, I believe you get so much more as the giver than the receiver because I do believe that we're all meant to give. And I think that that validates our importance, that validates us being here. Mm-hmm. And there's something so filling within that. Wow. And I find the people that are most full are the, the ones that are always giving of themselves. Yeah. God, I love that. Thank you so much. For people that want more information or that want to get involved with Lunch on Me, can you tell us where to get more information and where to go and where to follow you? Oh, yeah. You can uh, check our website, which is lunchonme.org. You can go on Instagram, which is lunchonme. And our Facebook is lunchonmechallenge. So feel free to contact us. Our email is lunchonmechallenge at gmail.com. And yeah, say hello. I'm on there. You can slide in my DMs. I'm cool with that. (laughs) I don't know. I said she's very She's very prompt in her responses, everyone, just so you know. Yes. very prompt. Oh, my God. Well, I'm just come through. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for for being on. And I'm excited to get more involved with you and with Lunch on Me myself. So it's going to be really exciting, I think. We are one big family. And I think that we all just need to start living our life that way with each other, you know? Yeah, because if, totally if everyone had that, that support system, I mean, we wouldn't have some of the displacement, the things we have. If everyone treated everyone like their family, you know? 
regardless, all of us come with the good and the bad, but just being kind and loving to each other. And that heals. Sometimes that takes away a lot of the bad. That's true. So true. Spoken right? like a true sage. <laughs> Spoken like a true <laughs> sage. Loria, thank you so much for being on. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for everything that you're doing, everything that your team is doing and all the volunteers. And I'm, I'm so excited to continue to, to speak with you and to grow with the Lunch On Me family. I can't wait. I'm really excited. So yes, I will. Yay, I will see you soon. Thank you for having us. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.